Welcome to the Person Behind the Pads podcast, a chat with a Colts player about life off the gridiron. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Person Behind the Pads podcast here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined today by running back Jonathan Taylor. That is the last we will mention of football on this podcast, JT. That sounds like a plan to me. Either way, I, shoot, I love ball. I eat, sleep, breathe ball. So with the pads on, without the pads on, I'm just as ecstatic about either side. I know you spend so much time on football, whether you're in the training room, whether you're in your playbook, whether you're working out, practicing, all those things. So we want to talk about some of your off-the-field interest. All right, so you're from New Jersey. Yes. When was the first time you pumped gas on your own? When I went to school in Wisconsin, that was the first time I pumped gas on my own. Uh, you you know that you're one of the only states that pump your uh, that has I think the gas the only, pump for them. I think the only state. Yeah, and we might be the only one. So it wasn't until I actually went to Wisconsin I forgot about it, and I didn't have a car at the time until I got a moped, and I actually went to go and I had to fill up my moped by myself. I was waiting. On my moped, I'm like, no one's coming up to me. No one's saying a word. I see everyone else pumping their own gas. I'm like, oh, this just must be some different kind of gas station. Were like people looking at you like, what's this guy doing? Like, why isn't he filling up his his gas tank? Well, I was on my phone. You know, you just try to make it seem Uh like you're actually doing something. So I was on my phone, but I'm just watching everyone else. And I'm like, okay, they're all pumping their own gas. Maybe that's a self-serve pump. And maybe I'm just waiting for the attendant. But they all look the same. Someone left. I walked over there. It doesn't say self-serve. So I'm like, okay, wait, I forgot. I have to pump my own gas. So I'm like, I know it's easy, but I'm like, how do you do this? Like, how do you get it started? So that was the first time I got a moped. Did you have to like ask for help? I did. First I went and I asked the the guy in the store, I said, could I get $20 on pump four? So just, you know, trying to play it like that. Uh Um, And he's like, no, yeah, you're good to go. He's like, you're good to go. What do you you need? (laughs) But it wasn't like a, hey, do you, can you tell me how to pump gas? I was just like, can I get $20 on, on pump four? And he's like, yeah, no, you can just go out there. You're paying cash? Okay, no, you, you should be good. So I'm like, okay, why did he say that? I just told him what I wanted. And I'm like, okay, I got to pump my own gas. So I looked up a quick YouTube video. Shout out to YouTube. You can learn anything on YouTube, <laughs> anything. What, uh, what was the first time you pumped gas in like a Wisconsin winter? Were you like, oh, wish I was back home now? <laughs> I was, the Wisconsin winter, it's not until it's windy. When it's windy in Wisconsin, I mean, it doesn't, unless you have on some type of mountain coat, it's going to cut through any layers that you have. Like, you could have two hoodies on, that wind is going to just pierce right through that. I don't know how, it's just so cold, it's going to pierce right through that. So tell me about Salem, New Jersey. I know it's a town of like 5,000. When I think of New Jersey, my, my knowledge of it is exclusively like Philadelphia and New York adjacent. Salem's, you're like close to Delaware. What's what's the town like? Like you mentioned, I'm 15 minutes from Delaware. If I fly home, I'm flying into Philadelphia. It is, it's a small town. You can literally walk the entire perimeter of Salem. That's how small it is. So you can do that in a day easily. You could do that in a couple hours. Like basically, even growing up, you literally walked everywhere. Like If you didn't have a car, you, you went to walk to school, you could walk to school. It's not like you had to take the bus. You went to walk to the pizza place or you wanted to walk to the the candy shop. It is literally, I don't even want to say 10-minute walk, like literally five minutes, five <laughs> minutes. But everybody knows everybody. So if I don't know you personally, I can ask who is your relative. I can ask who's your mom, dad, sister, brother, 
I'll know someone in your family, not just myself, but everybody will know someone from your family. So I think for me, I noticed how tight knit the community was once I left and saw how much support I had back home. I saw the support there. Um, just growing up, any really anybody that ha- they had support, but it's not until you leave and you really see like how much the entire city comes together when it, it's one of them. Now that you're you know you're grown up and you're away from it, you're here in Indianapolis, a big city. You were in you know Madison, a big city. How do you think growing up in a small town shaped you as a person? I think it's the people skills, just being able to interact with people on a daily basis. You think about New York and it's very fast paced. Everyone's moving, getting where they got to go, business. But I think growing up in South New Jersey, that small knit community, it taught me people skills, you know, how to interact with someone, how to be nice to someone. Um, and it kind of took me for a spin when I got to Wisconsin because I am from the East Coast. So I do know, OK, when you're somewhere that you're not familiar with, you know, you just go about your business. You know, you don't don't try to make a scene. It's just, hey, I need to go to the store. I need to go here. And people will just stop. Hey, how you doing? Nice weather we're having. And I'm like, why are they? You know, they're they're very nice. But then it just got, you know, some time for me to get accustomed to, you know, the Midwest and, you know, just how genuine people are and and being nice. But I was able to handle it because I had great people skills. I was going to say, you seem like someone who Midwest nice would fit pretty well. And I think that's why coming from that small town, like once I got used to, okay, people in the Midwest, they're they're genuinely nice. It was easy for me because I had great people skills because I grew up in a small community where I knew everybody. So if you go out to the store, you may see somebody that you know, or if you're just driving in a car, you just may see somebody on the side parking their car, and you're like, hey, what's up, how you doing? And I haven't seen you in a while. So I just felt like it really built my, my people skills up a lot. How much of a traveler are you? I'm not, I'm not a huge traveler. I do, as I've started to travel, I've grown to enjoy and appreciate it, but I haven't got to the point where I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the next trip. But I do love traveling. I feel like I will grow into that. Um, because when you when you travel, you just see how people see the world differently. And that's because they grew up differently. They grew up in a different culture. They grew up with different customs. And you can see how serious they take certain customs. Or you can see how lightly they take a custom that you may have that is serious to you. So it just it broadens your perspective on like how large not only the United States is, but how big, large the world is. Have you gone on your honeymoon yet? No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, you know, that's going to be so we really want to plan that out. Um, I know I wanted we had OTAs two weeks early here. So we just wanted to make sure we were in the best position. New coaching staff, meet the new teammates. It's you know, it's a, it's a new year. Yeah, it's yeah. a new year. So we wanted to just make sure that we were here. I wanted to be here, especially my old teammates. You know, hey, how's the offseason been? Mm-hmm. But not yet, but we're planning it, and, and we want it to be really nice. So are you are you going to be a beach guy for the honeymoon or like a we're going to go to like Europe and go around or go to Asia and go around type of guy like for we, your honeymoon? I, I'm sorry. I feel like we have to go kind of around somewhere because, I mean, we love the beach. Mm-hmm. And not to say beaches are all the same, but at the end of the day, you're going to get beautiful weather. You're going to get sand. You're going to get water. Um, but – it's something different when you see something that has a, a historical background to it, something that's that's written in the history books. You know, not everybody gets to see those things and experience those things. So I think that is that's a honeymoon kind of experience. I love it. That was kind of my honeymoon. So I, I love that see, feel of it. Ooh. What uh, what's the most recent place you've traveled to? The most recent place, Cabo. The most okay. recent place I, place I traveled was Cabo. 
that was incredible. I mean, like like I mentioned, the beach was incredible. The weather, the food. I, I forgot to mention that the food. When you travel other mm-hmm. places, you get to see you know what's in their daily diet. What do they eat normally? Some of that food is really, really good. Um, yeah. But Cabo was their most recent place I, I've traveled. Not super, super far, but it, it was it was beautiful, and I, I enjoyed it. Like, I can see why people go all the time. Do you have a, a favorite place you've traveled to? Favorite place that I've traveled to so far would definitely have – it could be in the United States or it could be out of the United States. Anywhere. In high school, we went to Switzerland. In high school, we went to okay. Switzerland – um, for the international baccalaureate program that I was in, that was a fun time. Just being able, well, one, it was kind of crazy. I was in high school and we went into Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, Switzerland. <laughs> now that you really think about it, in high school, but it was it was an experience that not everybody gets in their lifetime, and we got to do it in high school. So I try to appreciate the things that I saw now because you know you're a kid and in high school you're like, oh, I want to, you know, we're in Switzerland, like let's just let's have fun. But now it's like understanding how deep that really was like no you got to go to switzerland you got to interact with other kids and teenagers around the world and you got to hear their story so it was really cool so you got to interact with like swiss high school students who are in the same program like what did you get to do on one from all over all over the world the international baccalaureate program you could be from india you could be from europe you could be from anywhere if you're in that international baccalaureate program, they have a a, con- a conference every single year. It's in the summer, um, and it's different places. So it can be in Spain, it can be in Switzerland, it could be in Canada. Thankful enough, uh, my year that it was time to go was in Switzerland, so I was able to experience that. Do you think you might ever take a vacation to outer space one day? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's gonna be that is gonna that's gonna happen. Like, just as far as that. I don't even know. Just that constant travel back and forth between outer space and and the in the U.S. anywhere in the U.S. really in the world, that's gonna happen. I mean, you could just see now how the technology keeps progressing and building each and every single year, each and every single month. Really, it's always something new coming out, and I think that's gonna be a real possibility. Like you, people are gonna be able to go and travel into space and come back, just like taking a bus. How soon do you think? I mean, you're you're talking about this like it's gonna happen. Like, how soon do you think you might? For me, I think by 2030, there'll definitely be some sort of transportation to and from space, whether that's super expensive transportation to where people like Jeff Bezos, you know, how they did it, similar to where they can just go as they please. But I do think by 2030, whether we know it or not, I do think, because right now the technology is, it's insane to think that, hey, there's no way within the near future we won't be able to go to and from space. I, I know, I know you're into astronomy. How do you keep up with those developments? Are you like a like a news junkie? Are you constantly like following SpaceX launches? Are you like following the NASA like Artemis program? Like, how do you, how are you keeping up with it? Definitely, definitely, I'm up on SpaceX uh, launches. I mean, that's act- the stuff that's going on there is really ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. I don't think people understand the magnitude of what's going on okay so what do you what do you mean by that like let's just take going to the moon for example Mm -hmm. you know we we went to the moon this was a while ago everyone's like okay we did it like they're literally trying to develop a way for us to do what we're doing here somewhere else Mm -hmm. we could literally be doing the same thing somewhere else and there's not only one person there's a group of people there's a large amount of people who really believe it's possible and who have the tools 
and the knowledge to help work through making that happen. And I don't I think once it once like I said, once it comes out, it's gonna be shocking for people, similar to when the internet came out. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, the, this is crazy. You, the internet, it's gonna sound very crazy until it's, it's really a reality. What do you think a like a trip to the to space would look like? I mean, like, cause I I'm someone I hate heights. Like flying is just it's enough for me. I don't need to go any higher than forty thousand feet. Like what do you think that would be like? Well, one, I, like you mentioned, if you if you're afraid of heights, I think you're definitely that's number one. You gotta over <laughs> you gotta try to overcome that. I'll number, stay here. <laughs> number one, you gotta try to overcome that. But then with the technology, it's not just like when we went to the moon. I don't want to say it was just about getting there. We wanted to get there safely. The technology now, it's gonna be how do we get there comfortably. Like, I don't think people, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be, like, a very nice ride. Now, of course, scientifically, you know, you may go through, you're gonna, I don't want to say turbulence, but yeah. there's going to be something. But the the way that they're going to advance that transportation to where you, you could be eating a meal, possibly, possibly <laughs> just going into space. So, but that's why those bright minds that are working together, collaborating I think I believe that they will be able to get it done and people will be able to go comfortably. Even if you're afraid of heights, I think that mm-hmm. they'll make the ride so smooth, it'll just feel like you're in a car. That's what I think. That's what I think yeah. will develop yeah. in the future. Where where does your love for astronomy come from? How did that start? I don't I've always been a science guy. I just know I've always been a science guy in general. So mm-hmm. I guess once it came to space. You just look. I know I got a, I got a telescope back when I was younger. It was in like sixth grade. I got a, I got a telescope. I've always been a science guy, but then I got the telescope and finally looked out into, you know, at night, just using regular telescope. It wasn't nothing high tech, fancy. But you just see how vast it is, you know, especially on a clear night when you can just see all of those stars. And then you start learning how far away those stars actually are and the fact that they're able to shine bright at night. You're like, Okay, so there's a huge ball of gas and rock somewhere out there shining hot enough, bright enough for me to see it here. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, make, not makes you feel small, but you're like, it's a really big world out there. Yeah, I, I always like asking this question to people who are into astronomy. But, like, what do you think when you look at the stars at night, when you're looking through your telescope or you're just kind of sitting out there and you're sort of just looking up at the universe? I sometimes wonder if someone's looking at me. Like, not necessarily at me, but... Planet Earth, they could they, they could see us from wherever they're at. And they're mm-hmm. like, man, that's really far out there. I wonder what is out there. And we're wondering the same thing. It kind of trips you out a little bit. Yeah. But when you just think about how, ma- how massive the universe is, you're like, what are the chances that there's nothing else out there? And what are the mm-hmm. chances that we're the only ones? Yeah. You go tit for tat for it. You go back yeah, and forth, uh-huh. and it, it's it's scary. You know, it can be scary, but it's also exciting. And it, you know, you, you don't want to really look at movies. You know, movies that that's Hollywood. But you're just like, what does it look like? Could they look? You know, could if there's something else out there, could they look like us? Could they look totally different? But have the same mannerisms as us? You don't know. And I think that's the biggest mystery that not only myself but other people are mm-hmm. interested. I think that's what reels them in is you don't know. So like when I was growing up, my dad had, it was called SETI. Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? SETI. It's, 
it was like a, a thing that scanned for radio transmissions from like deep space. And you could just like set up a station on your computer to do it and it would feed into this database. This is like early 2000s. And I remember just like looking at it, it was like a screensaver and looking at these like waves coming in and like always being like, oh, am I going to see one that spikes to see oh, there's an alien, you know, radio transmission. I think that's such a cool thing to just like think about and consider. No, 100%. Um, like you said, because you don't know, but it's the, I don't want to say, it's like the chase, you know? You yeah. think about people who chase storms. They're very fascinated in storms and they love the chase. So that's why they go out and they chase storms. So it's like, you love the fact that there's a possibility that something else could be out there in the universe, but you also love the chase. Like, I want to find new evidence. I want to discover something new. I want to have a new breakthrough. So I feel like that's what kind of drives these scientists. That's what drives people who are interested in it. They're like, you know, I want to know as much as possible. I want to know about new breakthroughs because it's so, so interesting because you realize there's so much. There's a lot here. You got family. You got friends. You got you, there's a lot here. And there's so much more. There's so much more. It's almost like what the way I think about it is, is it's almost like how could there not be more out there? Exactly. Like, how can there what are the chances that there's nothing else out there? Now, there could be nothing else out mm -hmm. there, but what are the chances? You know, and you're like, okay, like, you know, am I are we really that lucky? Like what what else is out there? And I think that's why scientists they spend countless hours, days, nights just studying because they know you know it's going to be a breakthrough there's yeah. going to be a breakthrough sometime someplace somewhere and they they want to be the ones to have that breakthrough which is pretty cool because i know that they're just like almost 24 7 i know they're constantly constantly studying new things if you were to go to space with any of your teammates who are you taking on that ride with you going to space with any of my teammates i will say i do like I do have conversations a lot with, with Kenny Moore. Um, I just love his thought process. I love his thought process. I feel like we would kind of ask the same questions, but I think Kenny would ask a question that I never would have thought of that made me really dive deep. So I feel like definitely Kenny Moore. I just feel like we would kind of be hand in hand uh -huh. on, on, the, on our mind, on our thought process. So. I could be wrong, but I'm like, I, I think Kenny Moore. Okay. It has to be Kenny. Like, you guys have those, like, deep discussions. Yeah, like, about, I, yeah. Yeah, I really sit there. And not just about space, just about anything. Uh -huh. So I know he has that that critical thinking, that, that, that diving deep, not just surface level. He's like, let me just go see what's beneath the rug. Mm -hmm. All right, let me bring it back to Earth for just a little bit longer. What do you like to do here around Indianapolis? You get some time away with your wife. Congratulations, Thank by the way. Uh, what do you What do you like to do just around around town? We uh la last week we rode the what are, the ducks or the swans. They're like these swans downtown. I think through like on the, the canal, canal yeah, through the canal. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I didn't know Indy had that. Like, so we came in twenty twenty, lockdown, COVID, twenty twenty one, kind of still coming out of it. So everybody's still cautious. So after this past. Um, year, it was like, okay, things are kind of opening back up now. Things seem safe. You know, what does Indy have to offer? So going downtown, doing things like that, um, going to the canal, that was really cool. Um, there's this blues place downtown. Oh, I forget which street it's on. Georgia Street? Georgia Street. I think it was Rhythm and Blues. Okay. Like, it's like, it's a lot of cool things in Indy. 
that I didn't have necessarily back home, just, you know, yeah. small town, going to Madison. Madison had a lot of cool things. Indianapolis has different things as well from Madison. You know, Madison had the terrace, you know, that was a mm-hmm. spot to go to. And now here, it's like I have a I have a downtown to kind of, it's like a big city, like you mentioned. Yeah. So it's a lot of cool things. I do know, or not know, but I, I've been looking at, what do they call it? speakeasies or something like that they usually have like secret doors uh-huh. i've seen a couple uh things on that so i just realized that indy has a lot to offer so i'm excited to to keep exploring i love it because yeah i mean like you said you got here in the pandemic so you probably only had like you know a year or two to really start getting into that the city yeah <laughs> yeah last one for you i know people from madison people who went to wisconsin people who are from wisconsin are like they're so passionate about madison like if we have anyone listening to this who is a, a badger or uh, is from Wisconsin, they're going to be like, oh, I have the, like this spot in Madison, this spot in Madison. Give me your spots in Madison. Where are your favorite joints to go to? My favorite ones in Madison. I don't know if they open back up. I know they closed down because of the pandemic, but it was Sunroom Cafe. They had the best French toast like Ooh, ever. Okay. Like Sunroom Cafe. If you went to Mad, if you're living Madison, you went to Madison, you know Sunroom Cafe. Like. You know, some room cafe. Of course, the terrace, rare steakhouse. Oh my God, rare steakhouse. I've never had a steak. I'm not gonna lie. Now, Hyde Park, before when I was in Madison, I thought, like, listen, rare steakhouse, the char, the, ju- the flavor, okay. it was juicy. Hyde Park here in Indianapolis yeah. is. is <laughs> That's a really good spot because I really had Madison locked down. I had okay. Madison locked down. As of now, all everyone who's listening that's from Madison, lives in Madison, Rare is still there. I need to go to Hyde a couple more times. I'm the kind of guy where if I go three times and I get something different every time and it's great all three times, that's the new spot. Like the, That's the spot. This is going to be controversial. No matter what you say, what's your steak order? How do you like it done? My steak order, I'll get a filet or I'll get a, it's either a filet, there's this Delmonico steak. It's a, it's a Delmonico. I'll mm-hmm. either get a filet or Delmonico, but I've just started to get things medium. I've been getting things medium well. Certain places I've been trying medium, it's a good balance because some places will definitely give you the perfect medium. Some places it'll just be a little bit less than medium and you're like, okay, I can't, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. there. But I will say I did start off well done. I did start off well done in high school, when I was little, high school, even when I got to college. But that medium well, medium range, that's that's perfect for me. That's the least controversial answer you could give, honestly. Like, people people get upset about this, man. I know. Once I started going to medium well and medium, I kind of started to see the difference. Okay, you get well done. Yeah, you need A1. You need <laughs> a sauce. You get medium, medium well. The steak is still juicy. The flavor is there. But then I just I can't go all the way over on the left side. That's I'm not at that capacity. I don't want to say I never will be because like I never thought I would be going from well done to uh-huh. medium, medium well. But I'm not there yet. You got a lot more steaks to eat in your life. I got a lot more steaks to eat in my life. That's all right. what it is. We have covered pumping gas. We've covered astronomy. We've covered Salem. We've covered steak. I think we've covered about all we can cover here, Jonathan. Thanks for joining us here on the Person Behind the Pads podcast. No, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me taking the time just to chop it up a little bit about life.